We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So a few weeks ago, I go to Walgreens. Uh, For you, it might be called CVS or Rite Aid, but I go to the drugstore and I'm looking for some uh, rubbing alcohol. They told me they have nothing. There's no hand sanitizer. There's nothing anywhere. And then out of nowhere, a couple weeks later, a few days ago, I go into the store and all of it is plentiful. It's crazy that the churches were shut down a few weeks ago. Now they're beginning to open up and all of a sudden we've got hand sanitizer everywhere. It seems like the things that were missing just became available overnight. I remember watching a video at the beginning of this whole COVID-19 crisis of two women fighting in a store over toilet paper. Uh, Somebody had sent it to me. I didn't know what was going on. COVID-19 hadn't really hit the U.S. and I guess this was overseas. And these women are like straight duking it out. And I'm just like, people are fighting over toilet paper. We will fight over the craziest things. People will engage in a fight over anything crazy. But I'll tell you something, there is something about a good fight. Every once in a while, I got to make a confession here. Uh, I I go on YouTube and I just watch fights, people fighting randomly. And I get caught up in video after video because there's something about a good fight. You know, as kids, we we slap box, you know, we we wrestle around because uh, there's something in us that we just we, we, we want to get physical and, and and hit somebody. And I know some, a mother right now is getting really frustrated and saying we should be talking about hitting. But listen, there's a point to this, because honestly, there's something about a good fight. When we were younger, I used to be into like WWF and WWE and all those wrestling uh, programs. And my cousin was over the house. He was a little bit smaller than me, so it was easy to toss him around. And I remember uh, getting into, I'm laughing because I remember it just like it was yesterday. Uh, I saw this move. I saw him get suplexed on TV. And so I'm like, man, I am going to try this on my little cousin. And so we're out there, we're wrestling. We've just been watching it and Boom, I get him. He lands on his back and I just want to pop up and grab his mouth. And I was like, "Uh oh, what did I do? He ran to the bathroom and he was throwing up. I mean, he threw up so much and then he cleaned up and I'm literally downstairs shook like, man, I'm about to be in so much trouble. But he comes downstairs. He jumps downstairs and he's like, yo, let's do it again. Listen, he was into the fight because he knew there is something about a good fight. That's why we watch fights on YouTube. That's why boxing and mixed martial arts earn so much viewers because everybody's watching is looking for the underdog to come up or they're looking for the champion to defend the title. And we'll sit there with bated breath watching the entire fight because there is something about a good fight. Listen, as kids, I wanted to be a cop. I wanted to be a Marine. I wanted to be a cowboy because I wanted to get into the fight. See, for men, fighting is in our nature. We're protectors. We're conquerors. We're we're hunters. Uh, That is who we are. We are defenders. And I remember a story in scripture in the book of Nehemiah. 
there's this man called Nehemiah. He's uh, working for this king, Artaxerxes. And he finds out that there's an issue with his homeland. Uh, the wall that once surrounded his country has now been torn down. It's been plundered and it's on fire and, and people are, are able to just access Jerusalem. And he is he's nervous that his people are going to be susceptible to being hurt. And he knows that this is the seat of God's house. And so he goes to the king and says, hey, hey, king, can I go back and help rebuild the wall of uh, my old city? And the king is like, absolutely. He sends him with letters and resources. He sends him back. And guess what happens? Like any good story, haters show up. You always have antagonists who come in and try to destroy the hero's plans. These haters plot to destroy the very work that God is about to do through Nehemiah and his crew. And what Nehemiah does, he doesn't buckle in fear because Nehemiah knows there's something about a good fight. He musters up all of his leaders, all of his noblemen, and he tells them this in Nehemiah 4.14. He says, and I looked and rose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, he said, do not be afraid of them. The remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then he says these words and I'm telling you this, this fires me up and I hope it fires everybody else up. He says, fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And Nehemiah is like, yeah, we've got haters coming towards us. We've got people who are going to try to attack us, but we're not going to run away. We're going to remember the Lord. We're going to understand that he is great and awesome. He is with us. And so we're going to fight. We're going to defend our land. These guys who are with him realize that the work can't stop. They've got to keep building, but their readiness to fight can't stop either. They've got to be ready for whatever is coming. And these enemies find out that this group is ready for the fight. And I love the way scripture puts it in Nehemiah 4, 16 through 19. It says, from that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, the shields and the bows and the coats of mail. He said, man, some people were working. Some people were over here doing all the plaster and all the heavy lifting. And then some people were just standing on guard. You can just see it. They're surrounding, they're surrounding their brothers, they're surrounding their friends. They know that if anything happens, we're here ready to fight. But it wasn't only the people who were standing guard who were armored. It says, and the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on their work with one hand and held his whipping with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side. Literally, he had a strap on the side, if you get what I mean, while he built. And he said, the man who sounded the trumpet was behind me. He was ready to blow the trumpet to let everybody know, like, listen, the fight is here and we are ready to defend our cause. See, these guys were ready to fight, but they were ready to fight the right fight. They were ready to engage in the right battle. See, they weren't distracted about how big the fight was. None of them said, well, I don't have a brother here. I don't have a sister here. I don't have a wife or a home in this area. They understood that a threat to one is a threat towards all. They understood and exemplified what it says in Galatians 6, 2. It says, bear each other's burdens. 
They had each other's back. They carried each other's load. Whatever was going to attack one was going to attack all. And if we have to defend one, and then we're defending everyone, they all knew that there's something about a good fight. And over the last few weeks, we've had the opportunity to stand up to a threat that has affected and not only threatened, but attacked our brothers, our sisters, our sons, and our daughters. Racism and systemic injustice has been a tool that the enemy has used to handicap the work of God from rebuilding the broken walls of the holy city, his church. This has opened the door to all types of sin in the church. This has opened to all opened us up to all type of of craziness and all types of brokenness. We've been unable to fulfill our call as ambassadors of reconciliation because we have not only failed to be the protectors of human dignity, but have piously stood by as others attack the image of God at best and perpetuated prejudice, bigotry for the sake of personal preference and partisanship at worst. Brothers, brothers, as you're watching this right now, I'm calling out to you, the men, the brothers. I believe God is calling us to the fight. I believe that God is calling us to engage in this new battle. But you know what? There is something about a good fight. God is calling me. God is calling you to fight. I know the question that many of us asking are, what do I do? How can I get into the fight? There's really not much I can do. I'm one single person. Can I really make a change? And I want to let you know, yes, you can And if you're sitting there wondering, man, what type of change can I make? What can I actually really do as one person? I believe the answer lies in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. There's four key ways that the writer of this text teaches the church in Thessalonica who are in a crazy situation of how they can get into the fight. And it's interesting, in this text, he calls on the brothers, He calls on the men. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says this, and we urge you, brothers. We urge you, brothers. Admonish the idol. What does that mean? It means instruct or reprimand or warn strongly those who are not in their place of battle. They're sitting off idle. They're just watching things take place. I believe the first lesson we can learn from this is we've got to use our influence and privilege to get people to take action. You want to know the first tool of getting in the battle of how you can get into the fight? Use your influence or privilege to get people to take action. Have you ever watched little kids playing soccer or, or or playing baseball in Little League. I remember being at my son's soccer game. He must have been four or five years old. And the kids are out there in the field and the ball is coming towards them. And they're over here picking grass. And they're looking off into the sunset wondering, what am I going to do when I get home? They're sitting there idle and you're like, get in the game. I need you to move. I need you to get in the game. And the coach is yelling and the parents are yelling. The ball is coming. The ball is coming right to you. Get in the game. Unfortunately, we have men who would rather protect their privilege or keep their facade of peace rather than engage in the fight. 
that's attacking brothers, sisters, daughters, and sons. See, Nehemiah could have stayed where he was. He, he could have stayed in the lap of luxury. He could have been where he was at. He could have said, you know, I've got too much work to do. Uh, I've got a, a family that I got to deal with. I've got uh, bills that I got to pay. And I've got uh, other requirements, requirements that are needed of me. But he decided to go back and not remain comfortable and get into the fight. He used his influence and his privilege to get people to take actions. He gathered the men. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 goes on. It says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted. In another text, it says, be skilled at encouraging those who feel inadequate. The lesson that we can learn from this is learn and teach those who don't feel adequate to help. There are people who maybe are watching this and they're saying, I don't know what to do. Hey, guess what? Uh, we've learned a little bit. And right now we're teaching you some tools for you to take action and get in the fight. See, we're men. We're supposed to be equippers. We're supposed to equip ourselves so that we can go out and lead and lead well. Scripture says my people die because of lack of knowledge. This is a time, this is a season for us to begin to educate ourselves. I was on a video call yesterday with a group of individuals in a panel talking about the systemic injustice that's taking place and how this is not new to earth. And this has happened over time and time again. And it's important that we learn the history. It's important that we learn how we got here because those who forget the past are bound to repeat it. God is calling us to get into the fight. I was on the same call with the older gentleman. He absolutely touched my heart. He has begun to research. He has begun to study. And through the research and the studying and the learning that he's doing, it has struck a chord in his heart. He once believed that there was never really an issue and now he recognizes there is a major issue and, and part of him has been a part of, uh, of this issue that has been taking place over the years. And so he felt remorse. He got to a place where he says, I'm tired of sitting by the sidelines. I'm tired of ignoring things. I need to get into the fight. But the way I get into the fight right now is that I got to educate everybody who's around me, all of my friends, all of my circle of influence. I've got to let them know the knowledge that I've received so that I can equip them because they may feel inadequate. But once I teach them, once I equip them, we can all be strapped up and ready to fight. The verse goes on. It says, help the weak. Help the weak. Help the weak to stand again. The lesson that we can learn from this is we've got to be a voice to the voiceless and a hope to the hopeless. We also have to be a help to the helpless. I remember when I was in college, I wanted to join an organization. And this organization is one of those organizations where you needed to go in by invitation only. And I had one invite with somebody who wanted me to be a part of it, but all the rest of the brothers really didn't want me to be a part of it for whatever reason. 
A few guys were fighting against me being a part of this organization. Then I had one brother who stood up for me and says, you know what? I'm going to be a voice to the voiceless. I'm going to be a help to the helpless. I'm going to be a hope to the hopeless. And I'm going to make sure that I stand up and I'm going to give my voice and I'm going to use my influence and I'm going to use the privilege that I have in this organization to make sure that you have a seat at the table too. And because of him, I was admitted into the organization. You know, it's funny, we love to tell the story about the Good Samaritan. There's a guy who's hurt. Some robbers have come by, beat him up and bruised him up, and now he's laying on the side helpless. He can't do anything. The story goes on and says, a priest, a preacher, a pastor walks by, and he looks at him, and he just scoffs, and he goes on his way. And then it says uh, another guy comes back, a Levite, a, a worship leader comes by and he looks at him and he says, oh, man, I ain't got no time. And he just walks straight on by. Then it says a Samaritan, a foreigner, somebody who was not intimately connected to this individual, somebody who didn't have the same racial background as this individual, somebody who could have easily walked by and said, you know what? You people don't like my people. Your people don't like my people and my people don't like your people. So I'm just going to walk on by. And we love to preach that story. And we tell the story to our kids and we tell them to be good Samaritans and we create organizations about being good Samaritans. But it's hard to be a good Samaritan in real life. Do you know why? Because we understand that the good Samaritan had to pick the man up. He had to get dirty with the man. He probably got some blood of the man on him and he had to put him on his donkey and he had to give up riding his donkey to place the broken man on his donkey and he had to walk and find help for this man. It says that he took him to an inn and he left him with the caretaker and he said, listen, uh, this man has been broken and is beaten. Here's some money. Take care of him. And when I return, I'll pay you back whatever else was there. See, being a good Samaritan costs something. Being somebody who can be a help costs something. Being a voice to the voiceless costs something. Are you willing to get into the fight? Because there is something about a good fight. God is calling us to move from passive observers to active participants. God is calling us to be the voice of the voiceless and help to the helpless. And finally, the text tells us this. I think this is one of the most important pieces of this text. Be patient with them all. Be patient with them all. Demonstrate patience with everyone. The lesson that we can learn from here is that we need to recognize that this is a fight for life, not a fight for rights. This is a fight for life and not just simply a fight for rights. See, when you're in a fight, when boxers get in the ring, when MMA fighters get in the ring, when the cowboy got in front of somebody ready to duel, he had to be calculated. We've got to be calculated. We've got to be poised. And here's the major lesson that you got to take away from this. You've got to stay in the ring even when the fight seems futile. 
Even when you feel like there's no progress happening, even when you feel like nothing is really taking place, you've got to understand this is a marathon and not a mission trip. Nehemiah and his boys knew that it's going to take years to rebuild this wall and fights are constantly going to come by them. But they had to be willing to understand that this wasn't a short term mission trip where they were going to do something nice for somebody and then go back into their places of comfort and pat themselves on the back about what good that they did. They had to understand that this was going to be a marathon. They might too get caught in the crossfire. They might too end up sacrificing their lives. They might too get hit by the pressures of what it is to being in the fight. We will get tired. We will feel the tensions. We will lose friends. But remember, for God's people, this is not an optional mission. This is a biblical mandate. The question is, are you willing to get in the fight? Because for men, we know one thing's for sure. There is something about a good fight. See, the crew with Nehemiah, they knew one thing's for sure. They knew that a threat to one was a threat to all. And I read the words again as Nehemiah is calling his men, his brothers, to stand guard and be ready to get in the fight. He says, and I look and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. The Lord is great and his awesome. Brothers, every single brother watching this under the sound of my voice in the airwaves, wherever you're watching this, fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for God's house. Fight for the Imago Day, for the image of God, that it may be restored to every human being that carries the breath of our Lord. Jesus Christ saw a world in pain. He saw a world that had been attacked viciously by Satan and his angels and his demons who are on a conquest to destroy the image of God in humanity. Jesus could have stayed in heaven and said, you know what? Let's wipe the earth clean and let's rebuild from scratch. 
He could have said, it is not our issue. We created this heavens and these earths and let them live the way they are. It has nothing to do with us at this point. But Jesus Christ took it upon himself to become in the likeness of man and walk this earth amongst his brothers, amongst his sisters, amongst daughters and sons and decided that he was gonna fight for God's house. He was gonna fight for God's image. He wouldn't let sin and death continue to have its stronghold on humanity. So he went to the cross like a man and he took the pain and the punishment and the righteous wrath and the judgment of God like a man. And he went into the grave and slept like a man. But three days later, he rose from the grave. He beat hell. He beat death. He beat Satan. He beat injustice. He beat racism. He beat, beat prejudice. He beat bigotry so that you and I can know that the victory is already won. The scripture tells us, do not grow weary in doing good because if you stay committed, you will win the prize. You will achieve what you're fighting for because there is something about a good fight. Men, brothers, everybody watching this, will you get into the fight? Because there is something about a good fight. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.